back to another episode of Am I Doing This Right? And welcome to 2021. 2021. I'm Corinne Fox. And I'm Natalie McMillan. And we are best friends, confidants, millennials, and the hosts of Am I Doing This Right? A life how-to podcast from the perspective of non-experts. Each week we cover a new topic and we open up a new bottle of wine. Yes, and this week we are talking about how to cultivate meaning in your work and in your life. And we're really excited because we have author, speaker, and human experience consultant Colleen Bordeaux on the podcast. Yes, we are. And we are talking about authenticity, finding meaning in your work, and the seven questions that matter in life that nobody really asks. I feel like this is like the perfect way to start the new year, be aligned. We're not talking about like your resolutions or any of that bullshit. No, it's like a full life. It's a full just Uh, life reval. Yeah, a life reval, yes. (laughs) And so we are drinking today. Oh yeah, what are we drinking? As we discuss these. The first drink of 2021. (gasps) The first drink of 2021. This is the Titus... From Napa Valley, hey Ayo. The Sauvignon Blanc from 2019. Okay. Yes, and it's a very beautiful... It's like very beautiful color. Color, yes. Yeah. I'm going to do the pour for everybody. Okay. Ooh, first pour of the new Ooh. year. Let's, let's get into that. New start. Mm. So actually, speaking of the new year, yes. um, Corinne and I were talking yesterday. Yes, we were. And I... I had this like lightning bolt come through. You spoke the word. I spoke the word. (laughs) Uh, You were in a sermon for a second. I guess. I thought of this quote and I'm like, I feel like I'm now going to live by it. And that is that we are no longer living in fear. We are living up to our potential. Bam. 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 And so we are going to discuss this a little bit more, I think, with our our guest. Yes. But I love that you said that. It was like, when you said that, I literally... Got a post-it note, wrote it down, and stuck it on my wall. I set a reminder for me <laughs> later today. It's going to pop up on my phone and say, are you living in fear or are you living up to your potential? Whoa. Because I have to hold myself accountable. Hold yourself accountable. Yes, and say, you know what? If I'm if I'm doing something that I'm like, this is a little fear-based, knock that shit off. Knock it Live off. Live up to your potential. <laughs> Okay, so let me, hopefully we can talk about all of this with Colleen, yes. and let me actually introduce her because yes. the reason that she's on the podcast is actually very, very interesting, and you guys will figure out why. But um, Colleen Bordeaux, she's an author, speaker, and human experience consultant for Deloitte. She's been published everywhere from the Chicago Sun-Times to the Huffington Post, and her book, Am I Am I Doing, doing this, this Right? right? That is the name of her book, you guys. She published it in 2019. has been called Brilliantly Insightful and a Modern Guide to Life. It became an immediate number one Amazon bestseller. She's also the founder of Growth Incubator, a community on a mission to close the confidence gap in 100,000 professional millennial women so that they can take over the C-suite and change the world. And I really do think she's changing the world with everything that she does, but it's so cool that she has a book called Am I Doing This Right? And we have a podcast called Am I Doing This Right? And I think the conversation is going to be amazing. Yes. Let's welcome her on the podcast. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my gosh. We're so so excited. And you're um, cheersing to uh, 2021 with us, right? The new year. Cheers to the new year. We're we're all drinking the same Sauvignon Blanc today. Oh, yeah. The knock on wood. There's. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. (laughs) No, 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 say it. 
I was like, there's no way that 2021 could be bad. Like, no way. I'm so I feel like we've all been waiting for this moment and just having a fresh start yes and actually I mean for you how was your 2020 how did it how did it play out so um I feel odd saying this because on the macro scale it was such a bad year with the pandemic and yes you know I mean I don't have to say all the things that happened we were all there <laughs> yeah we but, were um, I, I started 2020 on a six-month sabbatical from work um, which was really wild to be in that type of kind of setup when the pandemic hit, you know, it really sent me on this path of how do I kind of stay in the moment and take things as they come to me, even though the year was really hard. I feel like I walked away with like this really different frame of looking at my days and looking at my life with less stress. Yeah. I think everybody has sort of felt in a similar, we were like forced to reevaluate everything in our lives and like what was working, what wasn't working, like the things you were ignoring in 2019, 2020, like made you literally look in the face. Yeah. And I, I felt the same way. Do you have any like revelations from 2020? Like what was working for you or what did, did you adopt anything new that works for you? And then what kind of didn't work that you let go of in 2020? Yeah. So great question. So I, first of all, totally hear you on this. I think we are all kind of forced to sit with ourselves. And Mm -hmm. I think for for a lot of people having never really been forced to do that, there's a lot that you have to kind of reckon with, right. And figure out about yourself. I went through that process. I had kind of like this quarter life crisis and went through this process for several years after my father-in-law passed away and he died young with regrets and made me kind of wake up to what I was doing with my life. And I know we connected because my book has the same name as we your podcast. We have the same title. We do not have the same title. So I went through that kind of, I guess, reckoning of having to sit with myself and really dig deep on what matters to me and whether I was doing it right. So I felt like I started the year. And the reason I took the sabbatical is because I had done all of this self-work and recognized that the career path I was on, I work, well, I was at the time working full-time for Deloitte Consulting, traveling to New York every week and all over the country, speaking at conferences, like Great. doing the grinds and just recognize like something's not working and I've got to figure this out. So when I took my sabbatical and the world changed around me, I think my biggest takeaway is that I had always felt as though I was, what are the, is it square peg, round hole, round peg, square hole? Yes. Yes. Yeah. I had always felt that way working in a corporate environment, working at my firm, and I minimized the parts of myself that didn't fit. I didn't even tell my firm that I wrote this book aside from getting the compliance sign-offs and kept this creative part of me like in a really small, safe space. As we watched the world change, I recognized that this feeling of being out of place, like I don't belong, um, like I have to minimize who I am in order to be respected and accepted and enough, even if it was just at the time me feeling that way, is actually part of a much bigger problem that we have to solve for. So I came back to my firm at the end of all of the sabbatical in August of this year and basically said, we've got to figure out how to do better for ourselves, for our clients, for the world. I feel this way and I'm so privileged and checked so many boxes. This is a massive problem. We've got to dig into it. So really I've been doing some cool stuff, looking at belonging and worthiness at work, looking at it from a women's lens. And it's just been super cool. And I, if you ask me, 
in uh, January of last year, I would have never in a thousand years thought I'd be talking to you about this. Yeah. So you, you've you mentioned um, being at your firm. So, and tell me if I'm wrong, but you're a human experience, human experience consultant. Yes. Can you explain what that is? For I can't. So we all are customers, right? We all shop at different doors and every organization that has customers. So pretty much every organization yeah. has a lot of attention to consumer experience, right? Yeah. The way that you feel from the moment that you walk into a store, you engage with a website, um, to actually making a purchase and closing out of that is it just deeply matters. So companies pay a lot of attention to your emotions. Like how do we make you feel in every interaction you have with us? And that's been going on for many years. But as the world has changed so quickly and we've been able to engage in work, like that you mentioned that you guys are both freelancers. You yeah. do gig work. You probably work with a variety of organizations. So this idea of like, how do you find people like you and attract them to work with an organization? How do you also retain talent that has an experience like this where we can just, we're strangers, we can hop on a call and have a glass of wine and like be friends at the end of it, right? But when you do that within an organization that it's led by a generation that grew up non-digital fluent, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of the things we take as granted were not part of the world that most organizational leaders grew up in. Your worker experience makes you feel different, right? And if you feel like you don't belong and if you feel disconnected and if you feel disengaged, then it affects the customer and it affects the performance of the organization. So human experience really looks at customers, workers, and partners, so like other people that might interact with an organization in a different way and make sure that the way that they feel and the experience they have is positive so that it grows the bottom line. I don't know if that was like an overly bloated explanation for you. No, (laughs) I think that was so great. It makes sense. And like, I feel like we have so many identities with different like brands and like you, it's weird. We do have like an emotional connection to certain brands, the way they make us feel when we, there's a big difference between buying from Urban Outfitters and buying from Cartier. Like, I mean, obviously there's a price point thing, but there's also just a whole image and a whole, yeah, experience that you're fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So do you feel like that and, and working in that environment and like having all these experiences, did that really kind of propel you into, into your, like, what did you take from that that you were able to put into the book? So actually, I think it was the other way around. The book is what kind of led me to the, to this focus area. I've been doing work in, in that vicinity, right in that space, the customer marketing space. But what happened to me was, I think, hitting this point of recognition in myself that this isn't working, right? Like I don't, I, something's right. I'm not doing it right. Something is, is yes. right. And going through that reckoning and really looking at my well being. And I loved the book, um, the top five regrets of the dying by Brownie Ware. Are you guys familiar with that? No, but no, I know we're in, interested, in your though. book, you talk about regret and I find that so interesting. It's like one of the first things you talk about in your book. And, um, there's a, there's a quote in there from that. Is it not? Yeah. 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 Just to talk about this like end of life view, because I mentioned my father-in-law died with regrets yeah, and yes. made me kind of wake up like, oh my God, this is going to be me if I don't dig deeper and address this sense of unfulfillment I have. So Bronnie Ware was an Australian hospice nurse who observed thousands of patients at the end of their lives and observed that they almost all had the same set of five regrets. And the number one regret across the board is I wish I had the courage to live a life true to who I really am instead of what others expected of me. And I read yeah. that book and I still have goosebumps. Like, I don't know if you can see yeah. um, I say that out loud because uh, like that hit me like on a spiritual level. Mm-hmm. And I was like, it's true. I don't have the courage to be myself and to live life according to what I want because I'm so concerned with what everybody else is thinking and doing and saying I need to do. So long story short, 
went through this process, wrote a book about it because I also started to research, you know, is it just me? And there's a huge confidence gap in women, right? Women reach peak confidence. In bring that up. In that, yeah. It's, when, and so I just realized, oh, go ahead. No, when you were talking about, you know, being in your company and feeling like you had to hide this part of you and this creative side of you and you, and you couldn't even like talk about your book with, you know, your coworkers and things like that. And I was like thinking in my head and I'm like, I wonder if that, I'm sure it's more predominant for women to, mm-hmm. to experience that and to not feel like they can be their true selves, especially in the workplace. Yes. Women so I, are so much more easily criticized by literally everything we do. Literally. So sharing wow. a part of you that's so like important to you and personal sometimes feels like I don't even want to because I don't want to be open to be you want to protect that side of you too so much totally and what's so interesting to me too is that it's like I felt this pressure I need to be like in an Ann Taylor suit I need to say words like leverage and synergize and be Mm. very serious right (laughs) which and and I fortunately I, I have met throughout my career some like really strong role models men and women that have helped like see me and like encourage me to be more of myself. But I recognized that I was internalizing this pressure to fit a mold, whether or not was real, was real for me. And I wanted to share how I worked past that and and help others with it. Right. And the sabbatical was like the last step of my process on how do I take all of this stuff I've been building and learning on the side and integrate it with like what I've been doing professionally and consulting. Our world is changing so quickly. Right. I think we make more progress in one year than we do in a hundred. And so we as human beings need a different set of skills, right? Mm -hmm. Like you can't be, you can't be like a boring stuffed suit and expect to make friends through a screen or anywhere really, but always can't get away with it. So anyway, long story short, going through this whole process, I came back to my firm, said, Hey guys, like this was my experience. There's a lot more here. Let's explore it together. They welcomed me with open arms. Oh my gosh, we can't believe you ever felt this way. Let's figure it out together. And that's what led me into this kind of whole human experience realm. And I'm actually working with, we have a chief experience officer. We've been having some amazing conversations about like worthiness at work, um, love at work, what it feels like to be a woman working in an environment that's predominantly, the culture is predominantly set by men and and how do we start to balance it? Yeah. So like, what do you, what, what do you think the future of the workforce is going to look like or feel like, or how are companies going to build out a culture that's more nurturing to employees? Mm. Oh, such a good question. I feel like we could talk about this exact question for five hours. So keep me like, keep me like this is my wheelhouse. This is, this is, my, this is my bread and butter. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's about, um, I once heard that the quote that the future isn't female, right? It's not about getting rid of men and replacing them with women. It, but, but the future is feminine in that we are balancing male traits with female traits mm-hmm. that have traditionally been excluded. And when you think about, and I'm making mass generalizations on gender, so I want to recognize that this is like for the sake of ease of talking about it, but there's a lot more here that we could dig into. Um, But when you think about in traditional business culture, the traits of success that we celebrate are being the smartest guy in the room, being right, being in control, being powerful. And those conflict often with traits we tend to associate with women, which is like collaboration and connection and a lot of the social and emotional skills that, that we tend to think about like even like the ability to be vulnerable and to listen, empathize. Mm -hmm. And again, mass generalizations, but how do we create more room for vulnerability, for authenticity, for risk-taking? And at Deloitte, we've been talking about this in the sense of balancing left and right brain capabilities, right? Mm -hmm. So logic and data, but also with emotion and allowing whole humans 
to feel welcome at work as their highest best self. I see the future of the workplace, right, being very distributed. We're all going to be working in ways like how we're having this call right now, but true balance, right? That we are able to make everyone feel as though they belong. And we do that by making the highest levels of companies representative of the population of the customers and the workers and the partners that they serve. And that might sound like utopia to some people, but I think it's so attainable and organizations are already doing this, moving the needle on it. Yeah. I was going to say there, there are companies I feel like that are already doing this and are adopting this or thinking this way or, or maybe being forced to think this way, especially with just how crazy the year 2020 was. And, and I think a lot of changes being demanded, especially in, in my industry, in the entertainment industry, and having, like you said, that yeah. representation at the, the highest levels of these big studios and companies representative of the population, but then also creating just a new culture and a new way of, of thinking. And I'm so happy and so excited for the day that the the like, like you said, like the power suit and the yes, like, all like, that just kind of goes away. Because I think the other thing that this that 2020 brought us was everybody's bullshit meter is. I mean, you can people right through it. Yes, people. So there are actually companies that like I look at sometimes, and I'm like, they're just full of it. You know what I mean? Like you can see authenticity now easily. It, I think. It, yeah, it trickles down all the way to your product and and what you are actually selling when you have this kind of culture. And then the, I think that affects just the consumer and it's this whole cycle. Yes. <laughs> yes. It's so, it, so real though. And I'm so glad you said that because I think it comes back to like every organization is thinking about like, how do we be resilient, right? Like how do we, how do we navigate through what's happening around us and then also thrive in the future. And I think there's a little bit of this like wild, wild west thing happening right now. And I think the the companies, whether they be small businesses or entre- solopreneurs or big organizations, I think are the ones that nail that, right? They're like truly service oriented organizations that are like, I see a problem. Hu- other humans have this problem. I want to position myself to solve it in a really meaningful way and show up and show up and articulate it in a way that 99% of people can understand. And, and to me, I think that is something we're going to see more and more of. Yeah. yeah. And so I want to, I want to circle back. This is, this is so great, but I do want to circle back to your book. Am I doing yes. this right? Yes. <laughs> and, and talk more about that because there's so many great things in that. And, and um, there's actually this quote that you have in the book or in, from Pope Benedict about yeah. um, life is made for comfort, but we were made for greatness. And I love that quote and it really stuck with me. And when we were talking about regrets, like, do you think that these regrets that we have in life come from staying in our comfort zones and being too scared to kind of actually leap out, like you were saying earlier with the the number one regret, which was living for other people and not yourself or something right. like that. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I totally think it does. And I think I, I talk a lot about um, our interior world, how if you think about what goes on inside of your mind all day long, that if, you're, if your thoughts are fear-based and, and negative, you talk yourself out of a creative idea before it's even fully formed. You will decide for other people what they think of you and use that fake information to to guide your decision-making, right? And I think that when I think of being in like a small space and living beneath your potential, I think so much of it is related to like unchecked inner monologue. And what breaks my heart on that is when you think about yourself as a little kid, I think as kids, we have 96% of our creative capabilities. And once you reach adulthood, I think that declines. I I have to go back and check my, um, and check my 
itself on this. So um, Google it. But I think you like reach, <laughs> when you reach adulthood and you start your career, you have like 2% of your creativity left. And wow. um, I studied like, what is it about social and emotional intelligence that gets blocked, right? Mm-hmm. The research says we're born with like, like innate creativity. We're born with innate empathy. And then some, something happens. And the three things that block our social emotional intelligence or creativity or empathy, et cetera, um, are fear, judgment, and lack of self-awareness. And if you think about growing up and you start to be told like, this is weird that you do that, or this mm-hmm. is not what we do, yeah. right? Or you hear how people talk about others who are having fun and enjoying themselves and doing something a little offbeat. And then you start to internalize that and you're like, okay, I need to adjust my behavior to be acceptable because I don't want to be, I don't want to be outcast. I don't want to be judged and talked about like that. And I think women internalize that maybe more, but it just breaks my heart because well, shame. I I think, you know, shame is such like a powerful, it like steers our lives really. And I think, you know, going back to that thing about being kids is I think your subconscious brain is forming for the first, I think it's like the first seven years of your life. And they've done studies where they look at like instances of shame. Like if you, like you were saying, if you were shamed for something, or if you, I can remember specific incidences in my head where I was wearing an outfit that I thought was like really cool. (laughs) Yes. And then somebody was like, what are you doing? And then it, that shame, I mean, it, like those things really they embed, they mm-hmm. embed in your subconscious. And I think it does stop. Or you, you even, even you could see it happen to somebody else. Yeah. Like, oh, wow. I don't want to ever you. step out of, cause that I saw that happen to a kid on the playground and yes. I don't want to get made fun of. I don't want to get bullied. I don't, or whatever mm-hmm. it is. Yeah. So I think yeah. that that's such a big, you know what it made me think of? Natalie has a new quote that she just is going to trademark. I'm going to trademark this. I, I, thought, was, I can't wait. I thought of this last night and it just like came out of my mouth and I was like, am I a guru? What just happened? It was because we were, we were um, drafting up an email for a, for a future guest. And we were like, you know, and I said, let's not live in fear. Let's live up to our potential because we were very, we were freaked right? out. Pretty good. So then I was like, oh my God. Really good. You are a guru. It's so true. <laughs> And, and I'm going to add to that. You're going to have to figure out how to like, how to like weave it all together. But I've been thinking so much about, um, don't ever make decisions out of fear, only make decisions out of love. And when you think about that, it's like the kids thing, by the way, I'm like in the childbearing age, I've been married for a while and I get a lot of questions about kids. So this example, I think resonates. I have a lot of people are like, well, shouldn't you be like getting on it? Like, are your eggs going to dry up? Like, (laughs) Um, you know, don't you want to have like, what if you regret not having kids or like, what if you find out down the road, you can't have them or who's going to take care of you when you're dead. And I was thinking to myself, I'm like, this is fear-based thinking. And it's like, so acceptable that people think it's okay to ask this. Yes. 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 I know there's so much fear underlying everything. And it's like really their own fear. Yeah. You know, like they're asking you questions, but it's really like their fear, like who's going to take care of me and like blah, blah, blah. And like, yeah. like Also, would you, okay, first of all, let me just like unpack that for a second because (laughs) if you are having kids, so they'll take care of you when you're old, that's like straight evil. You should want your kid to like go live their life and not spend it with you in your like late eighties, like, you know, on dialysis or whatever's going on. Yes. And then like the, the other thing, it's like to have a kid, not because you really want to be a mother and really want to love a child, but because you're afraid that like in 10 years, you might like regret it. That seems like a yeah. recipe for disaster to me. Yeah. You, yeah. It's like, cause they are doing it for like yourself and right. your own. It's like, we need to get and more, ego. take, we, and again, back to that subconscious <laughs> stuff. It's like, we need to get out of the subconscious into the conscious thought yes. where we're like, do I actually want that? <laughs> right. You know? Right. Um, so in the book also you talk about actionable inspiration. So do you have any actionable steps that you 
urge your readers to to take to kind of find I know you're big on like finding your life purpose and now that we're in 2021 I think a lot of we people all are want like, to find our life oh, what's purpose? our life purpose <laughs> Yes. Okay. Let's talk about that specifically because I agree. I think so many people are reevaluating. I've had at Deloitte, like probably 20 people reach out to me to talk about my sabbatical and how they could do the same thing, which is like, is telling. I had to reframe how I thought about purpose. I think we are kind of conditioned to think about like, you're going to get a job and a career path and like, that's it. Like you're going to love it. It's going to be a dream job and that's your purpose. And I think that's totally false and so misleading. So I think understanding purpose through the lens of how the net, like the sum of your life impacts other people. And if you think about just the day-to-day interactions you have with like a barista at a coffee shop or like this type of dynamic or somebody that you work with or your family member, and you ask yourself, like, am I a net positive in the lives of the people I interact with? Mm. Like, do I expand people with my energy and my joy or do I diminish them with my negativity and my fear? Oh my gosh. Right? I feel like I'm like, I feel like I'm being, well, it's weird because I'm studying Buddhism right now just because whatever. I've, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and it, a lot of the stuff is, is what kind of similar to what you're saying. It's like, yeah, like being very mindful of like how you're impacting other people Mm -hmm. and like right speech and right action and all these things that they study in Buddhism are very similar to what you're saying. Yeah. Like what's your net, what did you say? Net, net, am I net positive in the lives of others? Yes. Gosh. My brain. My brain. Okay. But the how guys, the how, the how that like came to me and I say angel, like lightly, this is like a woman who found me sobbing in a conference room. It's like, here's some advice. Um, uh, Those are angels. They are. Her name is Nora and I can't even remember her last name. We love Nora. Yeah. Shout out to her. So um, she said to me, uh, and I was explaining to her, I was in this, you know, crisis mode and I had taken a job and um, this was before I was at Deloitte, I had taken a job and I thought it was going to be my dream. And like within one week, it was like horrible. I was crying in the bathroom. And she said to me, you should never run from a job, only to a job. And you're also, you need to think about your life more holistically and not think about just getting a job, but think about what actually lights you up. And she told me to do this exercise and I'll explain it for your listeners here. Yes, oh, please do. I'm First, so excited. Oh my God, it's so important. I have this in the book too, um, with like more detail, but the, the basic idea is take a sheet of computer paper and label it things I love and spend an hour with no judgment on yourself, writing down every possible thing you can think of that like lights you up, brings you joy from like what you wear, how you commute to work, what you eat, who you're working for the accomplishments or anything that you can think of in your life that has like just filled you up, having time with friends, traveling, whatever, no detail too small, get it all on paper. Then take another sheet of paper and do the exact opposite. Things I hate. Think of the most like joy sucking, energy killing things Mm. in your life. Like my list literally had like micromanagers, like Mm. nothing killed my spirit more than somebody like talking down to me about like what color on an Excel spreadsheet. (laughs) You're like, how about you Um, leave me alone? uh, How about you get out of my life? How about thanks for killing my soul? So do that second exercise, right? Same thing, hour, no judgment. Everything you can think of that like just kills your joy. And then go back through, actually you can some space, go back through both pages and highlight what are the things I absolutely must have in my life and I absolutely cannot have. And those are your non-negotiables and put them on a separate list 
And that becomes this like life filter that when, whether you're thinking about a relationship or a job or a move, whatever, you look back at your non-negotiables and think to yourself, are any of these non-negotiables going to be violated with this choice I'm going to make? And you can also use that as like, what am I doing right now? That's like a non-negotiable thing in the bad sense, or I'm missing something that's a non-negotiable thing in a good sense. And how do I start making small changes in my day-to-day life? so that I can improve the balance around it. And I did that. I still, I have my list. It's like over here. It's like so old and crumpled. Mm. It's still true. Like this was years ago. It's your core essence, really. Yeah. 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 And it kind of goes back to that masculine feminine balance thing where I think when I'm in my head, I'm thinking of like, okay, what would be on my list? And so many of the things that I get drained by are part of that you know, and again, the masculine, Mm -hmm. it's just kind of the word, but that energy of like hustling, going all the time, never sleeping. Like, you know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. We struggle with that. And and I'm like, this is not working for me. That is not, I don't enjoy that. And I have to bring in that balance and that element of, you know, I think that's such a good thing to go into 2021 with. Like, what are my non-negotiables? New year. We're all trying to be a new, new you. And I think just having that clear on a piece of paper is also so helpful than it just being in your mind and then like, oh, what was that saying? Oh yeah, it was that. But I think it's so helpful what you were just saying to have it on a piece of paper. You have it next to you years later that you can always be reminded in all decisions in your life. Yes. Actually, speaking of paper and new year, we, Corinne and I, we love doing a vision board at the top of the year to just for this clarity, Mm -hmm. for this clarity moment. Do you have any like beginning of the year? I mean, besides this amazing exercise, which I'm about to go do (laughs) do right when I get home, but do you have anything at the top of the year that you, you do that helps you kind of bring in some more clarity? Yes. I'm actually going to grab my, um, where is it? It's right here. Um, You'll grab it. Go grab it. it. (laughs) So this is my gratitude dreams intuition notebook. And this is the most Say less. Just do wait. So what I did, and this is kind of like taking the best of the like journaling reflection stuff that I've learned. So it's a hodgepodge of stuff you've probably heard before. Mm -hmm. But at the beginning of the year, I don't do, I've stopped goal setting back to the hustle. Like I'm anti-hustle and Mm -hmm. goal setting sometimes makes me lose focus, but I set intentions. Number one, at the beginning of the year, thinking about, you know, where do I want to be this time next year? And if you just give yourself some time to think about that, right? Like Mm -hmm. from a career standpoint, from a relationship standpoint, from a health standpoint, all those important areas of your life, and then set some like dreams for those. Like I would love to be able to say in January of 2022 that like I am here, right? And just set those out as like dreams that I made happen. And I learned this from, I forget who, I think this was like the Rachel Hollis thing about like writing things as if they've already happened on on repeat. Um, So I do that at the beginning of every year, just kind of reevaluating like where I, where I want to be and my vision around some of that and keep it very simple. And then the other sections, which I'm going to show you, I have the first thing in this notebook and it's the same, I use the same page every morning when I wake up, it's five things I'm grateful for. Like first thing that comes into my mind, like even like the, delicious coffee, like my pink velvet chair, my yes. dog smell on my feet. And then you're like, I have the best life. Like why yes. did I wake up anxious? <laughs> pink yes. velvet chair. Why would right? I ever be anxious? Right. right. And then I just keep, I write out those five or those 10 dreams that I said at the beginning of the year, every day to keep them in focus. Every day you write those 10 dreams. I write the same ones. Yeah. And as I might <sighs> adjust them a little bit. Right. And yeah. then as I make, as I, as I, as I actually achieve them, then I drop one from the list and I add something new and then but again they're intentions they're not goals there's no timeline on it and And you write them again in present tense like 
right? In present, yeah. Okay. Like as if I've already like done it. It already happened. Okay. Correct. So, and then I have this, I started doing this, like, instead of prayer, I'm like, I've gone through like a spiritual reawakening just in full disclosure. I know that's not for everyone, but for me, it's I started for us. doing uh, <laughs> right, I'm Buddhism right now. Like what? <laughs> You're studying Buddhism. Yeah. So I, instead of like asking for things of like a higher power, I will invert that and I'll say, is there anything you would like me to know today? Or if I have a very specific question about something I'm struggling with or unsettled with, I'll ask that question. Like, what should I do about X? And then I just sit with my thoughts and I write down the first things that come to my head in, in that moment. And then the last thing I do is I choose one thing for the day that will, that will scare and expand me um, to kind of just keep myself just <laughs> getting out of your toes, a little on your toes. Yes. That's extra, but it works. It is so extra and I so love it. And I, I need to be doing it. I'm going to be doing it. Oh my God. So, okay. This is just, there's so many good know, things you're giving talk, us. We could talk. We could actually talk to you for hours. hours. But lastly, I want to make sure we hit the, the very core of your book. Am I doing this right? Is the seven questions that matter in life that nobody asks, right? That's kind of like. Yep. The, the, and so it's broken down. Broken down. And so, I mean, can you reveal to us what those seven questions are that we should be asking I ourselves? Sure okay. I sure can. So the first one, and I like used in my writing, I challenge myself with like my best friend speak. Like I want everybody who interacts with my writing to feel as though they're getting like a text from me or a note from me because it just That's feels more authentic. With this podcast too. Yes. yes. Yeah, you got it. So the first one is who the F am I? Mm-hmm. Which I think are those times where you like wake up and you're like, wow, I should be able to answer this very simple question clearly, but I actually have no sense of like the, my core, like where I stand, the foundation I'm on. And so, so that question is really not about like adding a label to yourself, but getting down to this inherent self-worth and inherent self-love. Like, because I exist, I am enough. Mm-hmm. And because I exist, I am loved and I am worthy. The end. Are we going to start stop. crying? <laughs> <laughs> I just have something in both my eyes. Don't worry about it. <laughs> And I think like that's something that is so foundational. And I recognized like that was a huge thing for me. And we talked about those experiences of worthiness where you'd be feeling ashamed and like that deep sense of sadness. And you carry that for so long. I have a story in that very chapter about something that happened to me in like sixth grade. You just, you just recall it like that. So I think that so many people are like just working on that foundational aspect of it. Like how do you just rest in yourself and rest in your self-worth mm-hmm. and back to the women peaking at confidence at age nine and then all of the cultural and corporate influences that mm. make people feel small and unworthy. Mm. And I started getting really like extra angry about that when I was learning like, you know, seven, less than 7% of the women, of women lead fortune 500 companies. Like women mm. still get less than 2% of venture capital funding. Like we're not going to balance this out if we don't address this yeah. one topic. Mm. So chapter two is why am I running around in this meat suit, <laughs> which is really about... <laughs> Which is really like the existential question of like, what am I doing here, right? Like yeah. you can accept, if you can get to the place of like, I am worthy and love just as I am. And I don't, I can just accept myself and be, then like, what do I do with my time? And why does it matter? And I think that gets the purpose question that yeah. we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Which is all about like making sure your life is a net positive and that you get to the end of your life without regrets. And you're not talking to somebody like Ronnie Ware about like how sad you are yeah. about how you spend your time. And then the third chapter is about how to control the blob of cholesterol in your head, which is all about mind mindset management, right? And I talk about like that is in abstract, which is like our brains, I think, try to control us and back to letting negative thinking run rampant in your interior world, talking you out of 
every creative possibility for your life to keep you small and safe and sad is really what that chapter is about. How do you start to become aware of your own interior world, become aware of your own negative Mm-hmm. negative thoughts, negative beliefs, and then start to, instead of letting your brain steer you, do it in the other way. Like you start to control your own thinking. Right. That's like the, I'm not living in fear. I'm living mm-hmm. up to my potential. Living up to my potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. And back to your um, guru quotes. Yeah, um, exactly. Yes. And then there's a chapter that's also like, you know, speaking of my meat suit, like, is there a user guide, which is back to this idea <laughs> of like health and vitality. And I think especially as women, we get so many toxic influences about how to take care of like our physical selves. And, and I struggled with that, like for a very, very long time. Mm-hmm. I think that the stats are by the time a woman reaches age 17, she wants to change at least one, if not more aspects of her physical appearance. It's so sad. So it's this and, idea of like, re- oh, go ahead. Oh, I was going to say diet culture is so pervasive and like very hidden in our culture that it's very, oh. it's very hard to even spot sometimes. And you're like, oh wait, this is all for message messaging for me to basically hate myself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. 120,000%. It's, um, there is this, I think, and I think it's actually driven by capitalism, not to be like anti-capitalist, but mm-hmm. this idea that like, if you want to sell to people make them feel like they have, um, a problem, there's, there's an issue with them that you have a solution for. And I think the entire like fitness industry for the most part is built around that. Huh. And, um, if, I don't know if you guys ever read the blue zones book. No, but Natalie loves blue. I zones. love the blue zones. You love them. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that is like that transformed my like philosophy on health, which is really about like, you don't have to go to a gym or like have a Peloton. Like you can walk, like you can literally just take yes, a few walks a day. Go and, like, for a walk mm-hmm. and have a glass of wine at five and call it a day. <laughs> yes. Do some push ups. like eat whole foods and like paying attention to what food does to your body and how it makes you feel and like nourishing yourself and focusing on, I think vitality and energy over appearance is it's huge, right? Like if you want longevity, if you want to feel like, like, um, you have energy to do the things that you want and you want your body to carry you through life, um, with joy, like you have to come up with a blueprint that really works and let go of all of the negative, um, the negative influences. And there's a beauty aspect to this too. I think as women, we're so pressured to like look a specific way, um, or like back to the idea of the male gaze, like be sexy and attractive, um, which I think is incredibly toxic. And, um, and it's like, how do you have pride in yourself and your appearance and like, want to put your best self forward without wanting to change yourself or do that for somebody else's evaluation of you and your worth and your appeal. Mm. My gosh, preach, literally preach. Preach. (laughs) Right. Oh my God. Okay. I need to also say, um, Bobby Brown, do you guys know the makeup designer? Yes. Yes. Um, she wrote this amazing book that I tell everybody about, um, it's, t- I think it's called Teenage Beauty, but it made me like start oh, yes, crying. I know what that is. I, might, I think I had it. My mom bought it I feel for like me. I had it when I, yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. That was like the first positive influence I ever had on like being a woman and like wanting to look your best, but it was like, don't change yourself. Like, how do you wear makeup and like, think about presenting yourself. That's like highlighting the best parts of you. But yes, that's what it was all about. Like, um, yeah. Like, yeah. What parts of you, you love the most and then yes. how to like accentuate it. Yeah. It was yeah. really yeah. Oh my God, I forgot yeah. about that. Yes. Uh, it's such a good book. I feel like we need one for like adult women. 
We yeah, need a power. We need a refresher power. too. Say, okay, so questions five, six, and seven. Which ones are those? Oh yeah. Okay. Yes. So so the the relationships piece, which is all about like looking at the the family you're born with, the family you create around yourself, and all yes, of the human interactions you have, which we got into a little bit, right? Mm-hmm. But this idea of recognizing that the people you surround yourself with influence you. They influence how you think. They influence what's important to you. They influence how you act and treat others. And so how do you navigate relationships and build really healthy, life-giving relationships around you and build the courage to let go of ones that, you know, might make you feel like you're not enough or Mm -hmm. you should Mm -hmm. not be reaching for your highest potential, which I think, again, is a really challenging topic for people because we tend to solidify our friend-making strategy in kindergarten and never revisit it. And Mm. I have, you know, like really learned to be so thoughtful about that, that human connection and the friends we make in our life are so important, but we're not required to hold on to people that suck our joy and sap our energy and make us feel bad about what's important to us. Yes. Even if they're family, right? Right. Mm -hmm. Especially when they're family. (laughs) (laughs) So true. It's like, I love you, but from afar. Exactly. Um, So then, and then the, the chapter on wealth, which is all about mindset around wealth, which we again have a lot of pressures in our culture that celebrates success as like making millions of dollars and like having a, you know, fancy luxury car. But at the end of the day, this idea of like appreciating the abundance and the blessings you have around you and getting over the scarcity mindset and like the worship of money and instead thinking about value and how do you, Mm -hmm. how do you start to like think about, you know, financial aspects of your life so that you're setting yourself up to be healthy and secure and not and, and able to care for like your needs and wants in a really, in a really thoughtful way, but that you're, it's not a central focus of, of your life and how you think. And then the last piece of it is about, it's really about faith, but I framed it around control, which is, it was called, how do I let go of my white knuckle grip on life? And um, at the yes. time that I, pub- <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, at the time that I was publishing this book, which was last June, I'm sorry. Um, so June of 2019, I had not fully gotten through that, right? I was still in a place of fear and wanting to control certain things. And I wrote about that in the book, but I think 2020, the gift of 2020 to me was like fully stepping into like leap of faith mode, which is mm. honoring like my intuition and trusting. Yes. Yeah. And it's like a game changer. And I think that's like Richard Rohr. I don't know if you've come across him in your Buddhism I, I, I started it last week. <laughs> oh, you did? Okay. Well, I haven't gone very far. <laughs> okay. Two books to add to your list. The first is The Divine Dance by Richard Rohr. He's okay. not a Buddhist, but he's like a, he's like theology, world religions. I think mm-hmm. he's like a Catholic, retired Catholic priest by upbringing. But he talks about how all of suffering is whenever we are living in a place where we're not in control. And mm. it just was this paradigm shift for me around how do you focus on like your thoughts and your actions in the present moment and release everything else. And this year, 2020, when we had so much happening, that was like, I mean, mind bogglingly terrible. And Mm -hmm. all you wanted was a sense of normalcy. Just focusing on that piece, like what can I control here was this Mm -hmm. gift of like relief for me. And so, yeah, it's all about faith and staying in this place of peace. Those, I mean, talk about a mind expanding conversation. Um, Seriously, these are such, I feel like the the things you just laid out are such great things to be thinking about as we're entering this new year. And, and obviously we don't want a repeat of what we experienced last year. And I think just, I mean, right. We can't control what's going to be happening with the virus and all that stuff, but we can be 
controlling the things that we're thinking about, the things we're meditating on. And, mm-hmm. and the stuff you're talking about is uh, amazing. So we, yes. we fully support the, am I doing this right book yes. <laughs> that you wrote? And we're so thankful to have you on the Thank podcast so and be much. able to talk to you. It was so great. And did you, did you enjoy this? Oh, yes. Why? How was your wine? How was your wine? Oh my God, so good. Do you guys like have a connection to this vineyard? Uh, Natalie Titus? gets the wine. I get all the wine. I'm from Napa. So I, uh, I just, so I actually have never had this particular Sauvignon Blanc is like Titus's claim to fame, I guess. And I've never had it. So mm-hmm. I figured this would be a good one. Very cool. It's so good. It's delicious. <laughs> and also so fun to be like having a Sauvignon Blanc, Blanc at like three o'clock. It's not even three o'clock. <laughs> Pacific time. I know. On, uh, what is today? Wednesday. It's a Wednesday. Like, this is what we do yes. weekly. I know. I we we always joke. I always say it's actually called day drinking with Nat and Corinne. Yeah. Because we're always here at like eleven a.m. Like pouring a Merlot. Just like oh my god. Here we go. But that's, the, go. that's the podcast we chose. That's how we do it. But anyways, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Yes. We really appreciate it, and we'll make sure that your book is linked in our show notes for anyone yes. who wants to pick it up. I want. I have to read the full thing. Yeah. I, I kind or, of and you. Have the audio book yeah. and the audio book too. Yeah, I do. Yes, thank you guys so much. It was such a joy to meet you. I feel like we're our paths are going to cross again. I we know. Have so much for common. Sure. I, honestly, when I have yes. this podcast, yeah, because we have. And to you're in too, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, like, at some point when like COVID is like a little bit more calm, we need to do a wine lunch. Yeah, yes. we'll do a brunch. Yes. Yeah. I love that. Awesome. All right. Awesome. Thanks, okay. guys. Have thank a good you one. So much. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Whoa. What? Natalie? Literally, whoa. Whoa. I, my brain. There were so many times where Corinna and I's eyes just like yeah, got huge. Yeah, you can't huge. see us, but like I was just like looking at her and I was like, <laughs> I felt like I was being hit with a force field. She's definitely net positive. She, she that is woman net, is net ass positive. <laughs> okay. She is, wow. The lists. Oh, the things yeah, that I love. Fa- gotta go home and do that. Gotta go home and do that. Goodbye to the rest of my night. I'm going to be doing that for the next four hours. Wow. So anyways, we hope that you guys feel more inspired to live authentically, to find meaning in your work, and ask yourselves those seven important questions that we kind of went through, those different seven, seven like sections of your life to look at. Yes. And if you want more, make sure to pick up Colleen's book, Am, Am I, I Doing, doing this, this Right? You can literally not forget that name, yes. you guys. It'll be linked in the show notes too as well. Yes. And if you have any questions Obviously, as always, feel free to DM us at Am I Doing This Right Pod. Email us, Am I Doing This Right Pod at gmail.com or visit our website, Am, am I, I Doing, doing This Right Pod? Pod.com. Dot dot com. Don't forget Everything to- Everything is at Am I Doing This Right Pod, yeah, basically. Pod. At Am I Doing This Right Pod. <laughs> yes. Just remember that. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast and share with a friend. And I think this one would be such a good one This to is share. a great one to share, share with Share with someone. your girlfriends, your guy friends. Your mom. Your mom. Like whoever. Anybody. Because we all need a, a fresh start. We need a fresh start. And yes. we're not doing those resolutions that like get on my freaking nerve. No. But anyways, Natalie, let's- Circle back on this wine that we drank with Colleen. We got to cheers with her again at 3 p.m. 3 p.m. (laughs) on a Wednesday. But um, yeah, so it's the Titus Sauvignon Blanc from 2019. And would you like to introduce our very authentic hottie? Oh, yes. Our hottie of the week is, well, we chose her because we were thinking about like authenticity and like who's really true to themselves and real, not afraid to speak their minds. And... I mean, Chrissy Teigen Chrissy is Teigen. the definition of that. Like yes. she really 
owns her truth. And so yes. we're going to be rating this Titus Savion Blanc one to Chrissy Teigen. Miss Chrissy. I think her name is actually Chrissy Teigen, but I, I'll I'm, never say. It's like Rihanna and Rihanna. Damn it. I'm always going to be on Rihanna. My bad. Chrissy Teigen. Mm, it's still Teigen. Okay, I'm going to say Teigen. <laughs> uh, okay, so one one to Chrissy Teigen. What do you think? My glass I need to give it another sip. Hmm. I'm going to give it a six and a half. <gasps> really? I was going to give it like an eight. Hmm. Maybe, well, I was going to say seven, and then I thought, I get okay, so no. many. Authenticity. Be true to yourself. I'm an eight. You're but a six You know and a what? Half. No, I think I am. Because my initial thought was seven, and then I thought, maybe I should give it a six and a half. My real thought is seven. Okay. So it is a 7.7? 7. 7. Something like that? Sure. I don't know. I can't really do fast math. You, well, you chose eight? I chose eight, and you chose seven. So it's seven and a half. Yes. Well, I'm, but I like 7.7. 7. <laughs> I was doing the math between 6.5. Again, <sighs> 3 p.m. We're a few few glasses God deep. Damn it. It's okay. very crisp, very, very drinkable. So very, easy and light very and fun. Very easy, light, just how we want this year to be. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Okay, so this is the time in the episode where we do a little wrap-up game. It's our first wrap-up game of 2021, and we're playing Would, would you, you Rather. Would You Rather. Would You Rather. Okay. And would you rather the aliens that first make contact with mm-hmm. humanity be robotic or organic? Organic, 100%. Really? Yeah. Hmm. But what if they're like a tiny little microbe and they can't talk? <laughs> Like they're like an, they're a microbial organism is what you're trying to say? Yeah. What if we like, but what if they're like a cool machine thing? I don't fuck with machines like that. <laughs> no. No, no. I can't reason with a machine. I might be able to reason with some sort of alien life force that's an organic mm. uh, okay. material. Okay, fair enough. Perhaps. Fair enough. I was just trying to make the decision a little more difficult for yeah. you because you were very um, quick to decide. Yeah, no, no. I'm already afraid of a robotic takeover. <laughs> okay. So I'm going to go ahead and say let's keep it organic. Let's okay. keep it OG. Fair yes, enough. Fair yes. enough. Fair enough. That was my would you rather, not what's, what's mine. My, mine might be less interesting, but just thinking about it, would you rather watch the same movie mm. for the rest of your mm. life Mm-mm. or never watch a movie again? Tough, huh? Say never watch a movie again. Really? Yeah. But it can be any movie you want. It doesn't have to be. It can be like your favorite. It could be super bad for the rest of your life or <sighs> no movie ever again. I guess something's better than nothing, right? That's what I think. Because I don't, I don't have to watch it, right? No, you just can never watch anything else. Yeah, I might as well have something. Okay, yeah. I'll, I'll just watch the same one over and I'm – that was very morbid. I'm not excited about that. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, you know, it's a, a- <laughs> it's a would you rather <laughs> – it's a would you rather. I guess yeah, that was a good one. That's a hard one, but yeah, I guess something's better than nothing. Something's better than nothing, <laughs> you know? All right. So we'll put these on our, we'll put them on the They'll Instagram. They'll be on the stories today. People so you guys love can the polls. Vote. You guys can vote as well on our yes. Instagram stories. And we hope you guys have a great beginning of the year. We'll be back next week with another yuppasol. Another yuppasol. <laughs> We need to stop drinking. We do. All right. All right. Love you guys. Love you guys. Bye. Bye.